If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Before the Box Score. I'm Nate Edwards. And tonight probably won't be as fun as other shows have been, but I am pleased to say that the Dad Pod duo is back because joining me tonight is Josh Madigan. Josh, say hi. Uh, hey, hey, Nate. I-, I don't know why you don't think this podcast is going to be as fun as the usual ones. We're talking about basketball, right? Basketball starts next week. We are. We are. We have a full-blown, one-hour and 30-minute basketball podcast for our football listeners. Watch out, dive cuts. We're coming for you. That's right. (laughs) I see you in our sights, Sam. Um, Yeah, so that's what we're going to be talking about. And really what I wanted to kick off with is uh, Jeremiah Tillman and his present. Okay, I can't do this. (laughs) I have no idea. I have nothing... I love the basketball team. I have no idea what I'm talking about. That Do you think awesome. if Jeremiah Tillman stood in the end zone, Derek to, Derek Dooley would throw a pass to him? If Jeremiah Tillman stood in the end zone, Derek Dooley would call a draw. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But wait, if it was raining, do you think he would throw a pass? He would kick a 50-yard field goal. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, it seems like you have been studying the mind of Derek Dooley, and you, you seem to be a pretty adequate substitute at this point. I certainly like to think I am. Uh, I, I pulled <laughs> we out all would NCAA, like to think we are right now. I pulled out the NCAA 14 last night and played as Derek Dooley and uh, ran it twice and then threw it 14,000 times and I lost by seven. So um, I think I got it. I think I got it down. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if uh, I don't know. If, ooh, we'll see if Derek Dooley's still around by the time the next NCAA video game comes out because hey, that's coming back I guess. Well, okay, which comes first? Derek Dooley getting fired or the NCAA video game coming back? That is a solid question. Nate, I don't think this is the place to speculate on on such things. Especially since the NCAA is going to drag their feet for 20 years. So we'll all be dead. uh, I cannot wait for NCAA football 2040. (laughs) Oh, my God, 2040, that... Yeah, I would be. I'm, I'm basically dead. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this is a fun tangent to open up our before the box score. But hey, we've got we've got some deconstructing to do tonight. I have already written like three thousand words on what has happened in the past couple of games, what it means, and what to look for as as to why we are doing so poorly. And I have uh, an offensive breakdown that that went up today. A defensive breakdown that goes down tomorrow. Josh, I am knee deep in analysis and and reconstructing a, a nightmare, and I hope you're ready uh, to talk about some warts. Are you ready? Some warts or awards? I, I can't see any reason why we would be talking about awards at this point. But if you're ready to talk about warts, let's do it. I want to talk about some warts. We're going to get froggy on this podcast. All right, let's do it. Um, all right, so. Really, when you when you break down the Missouri football season so far, one of the prevailing things that has has been floating in the background is that this offense isn't very good, and that was masked by a lot of timeliness um, of of the opponents that we played, uh, the quality of defenses that we played, and an excellent defense that was able to flip the field, stop scoring uh, uh, scoring opportunities and put the offense in a position where they literally could not fail. Uh, and that is that has fallen apart as we've played um, the two worst teams in the SEC, two of the, uh, the three worst teams in the SEC. Um, to me, it starts with, with Derek Dooley. And, Josh, I, my question for you is, what is the difference between Derek Dooley 2018 and Derek Dooley 2019? I feel like you're trying to trick me because there's an obvious answer out there. 
and I'm glad you brought it up. Maybe you're looking for a completely different thing. Um, it's Drew Locke and Kelly Bryant, right? Ding, 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 yeah, ding. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I actually hadn't been thinking about this um, a lot in terms of the big difference between the two because as much as we all love Drew Locke, I think it's easy to it's easy to look at his time in Mizzou and say, you know, what if? There are lots of stuff left on the table. I mean, the first two years he was the starting quarterback were just pretty abysmal in their own right. And, and yeah, the last two years were fun, specifically in those November runs, but still no bowl victories. Um, I think a lot of the time Missouri fans spent, we've spent talking about like, okay, Barry Odom, Barry Odom, is he going to be the guy? And all the while we were watching an NFL quality quarterback kind of come and go, which isn't to say we didn't enjoy our time. We, I, I'm sure we all did, but man, like, and here's the thing. I don't want to like sit on this podcast and, and, denigrate Kelly Bryant. Now, yes, he's got his his flaws, but I think he's had his really good moments this year. But it, it, it's becoming increasingly clear that we really did not appreciate Drew Locke for what, for what he was. Like, I mean, you talk about Derek Dooley, it's kind of like the fulcrum of this, of this first part of our conversation. And it, it's starting to look like Drew Locke was really masking a lot of those in, like those inefficiencies and, and the, the problems that Derek Dooley puts in his offense. Completely agree. Um, Drew Locke had the arm strength and the accuracy to make, to make plays work, essentially. Um, but he also had a deep threat in Emmanuel Hall. Uh, so when you have a an NFL caliber quarterback who can make NFL caliber throws, um, you can call well, you can call four verts every play, and he'd probably find a way to make it work. And Kelly Bryant's skill set um, is not Drew Locke's. Uh, he does not have the arm that that Drew did. Uh, he's a little bit more mobile, sure, um, but he's also not equipped with a receiving core who can who can bail him out. And Drew Locke did not a receive did not need a receiving core to bail him out. He would bail them out. Um, so that's really the difference. And you know, BK talked about you know, this this offsided love letter to Derek Dooley, which was the uh, the kiss of death, seemingly, uh, for the Mizzou offense. But the creativity isn't there either. And it wasn't super creative last year. A lot of pistol sets, things out of shotgun, not a whole lot of like motion outside of tight ends. But we saw a little bit of creativity against Ole Miss, and it is completely dried up in the past couple games. Yeah, I'm almost wondering, too, because you mentioned Emmanuel Hall, and I think coming into this year we were all, I don't want to say concerned, but I also don't want to say optimistic about this receiving core because we saw a lot of promise last year out of Jalen Knox, out of uh, out of Cam Scott, uh, Jonathan Nance. I mean, he wasn't going to light the world on fire, but he certainly had a track record of putting up some sort of production. Uh, behind him and then you come into the year with probably the most purely talented tight end in the country and you think well you know obviously Kelly Bryant isn't the same type of quarterback as Drew Locke but he's gonna have options I think I can't tell you how many times I wrote that at the beginning of the year like he's Mm -hmm. got options it's gonna be impossible for him to not find someone to get it to Mm -hmm. but maybe we also underestimated Emmanuel Hall I mean I know a lot of his big games came from basically just running straight at the end zone and Drew Locke being able to get it to him. But, I mean, nobody can even do that this year. None of these guys can get open. And, and obviously that starts with Drew Locke and the the plays that he was able to make with his arm and, and just his vision and, and all of the little things that make him an NFL quality quarterback. But, man, it, I, never, I never thought I would at, tell myself that, like, man, I I want another year of this just kind of like throw the deep ball, and if that doesn't work, then maybe we can run it a little bit. Because <laughs> as much as I liked Drew Locke, uh, sometimes I was like, man, I want a little more out of my offense than just like big gains or like yeah. big plays and, and runs. But, I mean, here we are, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. it's it, not good. Um, I, obviously, I, I have never – written a playbook i've never designed an offense um I, I've, I've never called plays i don't self-scout i don't you know i don't know 
I don't know a damn thing about football from a day-to-day operation standpoint. Um, but what I do know is that based off of my limited viewing, because we don't have the all 22, you know, the, my favorite view, which is where you can see the entire field without moving the camera, because we don't see the all 22, it's really tough to tell what routes are being run. But as far as I can tell, Derek Dooley doesn't really have any, what is it, the nine route, the fly route that, that mm-hmm. Emmanuel Hall just always ran, which is just F it, go deep. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have not seen Kelly Bryant attempt to pass on a route like that. And I don't know if that's because they're not out there or he doesn't trust that he can make that throw or he doesn't have someone who can get to that level. But I'm, I'm, I don't have an advanced stat. I don't have a, a marking. But just watching each game three-plus times, I can count on two hands. How many times Kelly Bryant has thrown, not completed, but thrown a ball at least 20 yards down the field? And if you don't have that aspect of the game, you limit your running options and you limit your receiving options for a receiving core that is not as talented. And you need to design an offense to highlight the strengths that you have or, and mask the weaknesses. And at this point, I don't think he is doing that. Well, and you make the field smaller too, right? I mean, that's the whole idea is that you're taking the top off the defense to open things up up the middle and on the sidelines. And I mean, I would probably, I would probably um, feign to say that there's probably just no one that can do that right now. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to go out here and say, well, you know, Kelly Bryant can definitely make that deep throw. We don't know that for sure, but. I mean, there have been moments this year where Jalen Knox was able to get open against a, twice. Obviously, yeah, against a lower level cornerback, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But Kelly Bryant made those throws, and he and he didn't look bad doing it. So it's not that I don't think Kelly Bryant can't make that throw. It's just that I, I don't. I think Jalen Knox, especially, has been so disappointing, and then Cam Scott, in his own right too, has not been able to get open downfield. And Jonathan Nance, you could throw him in there too. That just like mm-hmm. there's nowhere to go. So you end up creating this really bunched up yep. middle of the field. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Derek Dooley has not been able to craft an offense that can get anything done there, especially not over these last two games. Yeah. And and the targeting data is just completely wrong, um, in my opinion, of course. Um, if you – and I know I've written about this a lot, both in the preseason and during these uh, beyond-the-box scores, but – if you have a bunch of receivers who are under 6'2", and you don't have a burner that can take it deep, and your best receivers, best slash most experience, are tight ends and slot receivers, then you need to be hitting those quick-hitting efficiency passes where it's one read, bam, one read, bam. And it's, yeah, three, three yards, four yards, five yards, what have you, but it's quick. It should be easy, and it should be opening up the run. And right now, it's a lot of out routes, passes to the sideline a quick slant here and there to guys who have terrible catch rates mm-hmm. uh you know jonathan nance is at 55 percent jalen knox 52 percent um you know your jonathan johnson has a high catch rate of 64 percent but he only gets like six yards uh when he catches it and even if he is catching it it's like two or three yards it's we don't have any efficiency or we're not utilizing, I should say our efficiency options correctly. And so it leads to a lot of quick three and outs uh, when you're relying on an efficiency passing game, but not throwing the efficient passes. And I don't know who, who the answer is. Maybe it's Tyler Beatty on swings and and screens. Uh, But to me, it's get Alberto, get Daniel Parker more involved in the passing game. You know, if it's Barrett Bannister or Jonathan Johnson, you know, make sure that they're running routes that they are comfortable with to bust up the zone and keep the ball moving, and and just start with that because that's what made the 2010 the 2010 team work when they didn't have that outside receiving talent, um, and that's that's kind of what this team needs to put their defense in better positions. Yeah, it's been really frustrating to see, um, and, and maybe I'm being hyperbolic, and you can obviously push back on me if I am here, but the regression of pretty much every receiver on and and I'm not just saying receiver I'm saying pass catcher on Missouri's offense I mean Albert O has had some outstanding catches there's no doubt that he's an NFL talent but in in his case it might not just it's just him maybe not getting the ball but I mean we haven't seen much out of Daniel Parker Jr. again that may be a scheme thing Jonathan Johnson is having a really tough year and in a year where I was really hopeful that maybe he might become the all-time leading Missouri receiver and he just 
like you said, he's getting the ball, but he's not doing anything with it, which is, think back to his freshman year and how we were all talking about him then. Can you imagine we would be living in a world where it's like, well, Jonathan Johnson's getting like these five, six yard catches, but then he just pretty much goes down. Um, I mean, he was a game breaker at that point. Um, Cam Scott has been exciting when he gets the ball, but it doesn't seem like he's able to get open. Jalen Knox has just been nowhere. <laughs> like it, that's really Jalen Knox has been the most frustrating thing to me. I know a lot of people are frustrated that Alberto is not getting the ball, and and um, I think the disappearance of Daniel Parker Jr. has been frustrating too. But man, Jalen Knox has just been. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to call him awful, but he's not been good. Certainly. Well, so you, you told me I could push back if I wanted to, and I'm going to, I'm not going to push back, but I want to tweak it a little bit. I'm not going to use the R word. I'm not going to use regression. When you are a head coach, there's a handful of things you need to do. Number one, you have to acquire talent. Number two, you have to develop that talent. And number three, you have to deploy that talent in a manner in which it is going to win you the game. Now, as far as acquiring talent, I think Barry Odom's getting pretty good at it. I don't think he was. I think he's getting a lot better. But developing that talent, Josh, how many true freshmen has the Odom regime played? I mean, it's like... Do you have a number? Do you actually have a number in in mind? I mean, it, it feels like a lot. It's it's at least twenty in three years, and I remember that like it was an unprecedented amount of freshmen who have played. I remember uh, it was either Dave, it was either Matter or Diarmid. I, I remember I don't remember which, but talking about how many freshmen were seeing the field versus the Pinkle years, right? Mm-hmm. When you get a rare freshman out there mm-hmm. at the time, so you know, two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen. I was like, oh my god. We've got these overlooked guys who other teams were passing on. We are starting them as freshmen. We're going to get a, you know three full years out of these guys. What are they going to be when they're sophomores, juniors, you know, possibly seniors if they if they don't win seventeen Heisman's by that point? Like I was like, this is awesome. And then the next year, another batch of freshmen starts, and that old batch of freshmen wasn't playing. And I'm thinking it might not be. They are just so good at acquiring talent. I think it might be a deficiency in that second part, the the development development of of, of talent. So it's less regression and more just not improvement, just kind of sticking to the level that you're at. And and I and I understand that. Yeah, they find high athleticism, you know, high high football IQ. I hate that term, but you you know, it's easy to use. uh, Guys who can you can start day one, and then they don't do a damn thing to get them better. And so you're relying on this, you know, this this rotating bumper crop of freshmen to get people excited, but you're not making anybody better. And I don't know what you do to make people better. I don't. I really don't. Um, but they're out there doing it. Other coaching staffs are. Gary Pinkle certainly did it. That's how Michael Sam goes from a two-star nothing to SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, that's how Chase Daniel becomes a three-star uh, that was going to play safety at Texas to a Heisman candidate. Uh, that is what you do when you recruit at a three-star level. And, yeah, you might get the high upside guys, but what are you doing to get them to that upside? And I don't know. Jalen Knox is a perfect example of that. Albert O is too, right? When he came on campus, he was a red zone machine. But he can't block, can't run a simple crossing route over the 50. Uh, you know, you talk about, oh, they always talk about Simi Bakari burned a red shirt last year. Oh, this guy, this kid's got it. Where's he he been? He has been a no show. Nowhere. We've seen way more of Dawson Downing than we have Simi Bakari. And I love Dawson Downing. Walk on to, you know, to scholarship. I love it. You're a walk on (laughs) who caught a scholarship. You know, Larry Three Sticks. He came out on the scene freshman year, bowling over dudes, you know, in the open field. Dude cannot create for himself at all. And if he tries to bounce outside, he makes the wrong decision. Uh, Tyler Beatty is an athletic freak. He should not. He's more of just a receiver, running back combo, a jack of all trades. But he is not being used in that manner unless we are down. <laughs> unless we are down, that is when they start using. So it's like none of these guys are getting better. I even argue Drew Locke didn't get any better until Derek Dooley showed up and just started slowing it down. 
So I am really questioning what these guys are doing to make them better because as of right now, I don't see it. Well, I think the interesting thing, because when you talk about guys not getting better, my immediate thought is, well, the defense is better. Um, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. I, I do want to keep, but if you think about the defense, especially the starting defense this year, I can think of maybe four guys that I'm like, okay, he's better than he was last year. He's better than he was last year. It's really focused on the offense. And that's a problem because, I mean, think back at, think back of these last few years with Barry Odom. The our whole one of the big talking points has been, oh, well, you know, Barry Odom's a defensive coach, and and the offense is really good. What's up with that? What's up with that? And to go full circle, maybe it was just <laughs> Drew Locke was so damn good yeah. that, and I mean, we talk about him masking the deficiencies of the uh, of the offense. I mean, the first thing that jumps to my mind. Um, when, I think it was Sam said something about this during the. It was, it was one of these last two games. They were both so horrid that they blended together in my mind. But <laughs> he tweeted something about, like, well, maybe Drew Locke was just this good. The first thing that jumped out in my mind was, yeah, the offensive line definitely shows that. They've been, they've been just porous over these yeah. last few weeks. It, it's been yeah. really shocking to see. We came into this year thinking, man, the line is just going to be stout because it has been over the last few years because Drew Locke never got touched. But I don't know. Maybe that was because Drew Locke knew how to get the ball out of his hands, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. I look. I mean, we, we've we've certainly bagged on the offense enough, and you could see this in the advanced stats. If you go back, you know, last month when we did this show, you and I, uh, the offense was sitting at fifty third, and I told you at the time, I'm like, I don't think it really is fifty third, but you really dug down into it, and there were obvious deficiencies, mostly in third downs. Uh, which is a quarterbacking down where you make a play. And so far those plays aren't really being made. And you can point to receivers dropping balls because <laughs> we're the worst in the SEC, 26% drop rate. Um, you can point to play design. Like no one's getting to the sticks or getting past the sticks or opening up, uh, which leads to a lot of cluster and where the running backs can't create. Like There's a lot of things you can point to. Um, I think development of talent is one of them, but it's also tactics and just you know general <laughs> – General bad football. But, okay, let, let, let's do talk about the defense. Because you're absolutely right. We bagged on Odom nonstop. Your offense is dynamite. Your defense is trash. What is going on, sir? And because we gave him so much guff for the defense, we do need to tip our cap to his development of the defense, getting the right guy in at coordinator, um, and getting the guys that he wants. But, <laughs> but it goes back to that talent acquisition, talent development. Uh, name your favorite defensive end hired by, or recruited, I should say, by Barry Odom. Um, what's his, uh, I never know how to pronounce, and let me say this, this is purely a name thing. Mm-hmm. I just love his name. Was it Franklin? Agbashamir. Ag- at Bajamir, okay. Yeah. I was like, every time I want to say it, I'm like, this is going to be awful. Smash is what they call Smash, him. Smash, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just, I, every year I remember reading something in the summer. It's like, oh, man, this is this is Smash's year. Oh, he's really showing <laughs> oh, out in yeah. practice. He's really, yeah. and then the depth chart comes out and he's nowhere to be found. Um, nope. He's my favorite just by uh, just by virtue of his of his mm-hmm. name. Um I believe Chris Turner is still on this team. You, you, I, I have no evidence to support that theory. That uh, is a name I have not heard in many years. <laughs> Jatorian Hansford, from from what I understand, is still playing football at the University of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna pull up your article. Uh, Trey Williams is still on the team somehow. Um, mm-hmm. Although I mean, he he hasn't been like the worst of the worst this year, but he he. Took, he was obviously off of football for quite for a long time. For sabbatical for eight months, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's his own fault. Um, it is, it is. But, yeah, the defensive end, there's just like nothing to speak of. Jordan, here's, here's what, it's Jordan Elliott's really my favorite defensive end because he is the entire defensive line at this point. He is. They have, they have knocked it out of the park with the D-tackles. Now, Jordan Elliott was a, was a transfer in. Um Terry Beckner Jr. was 15. So, yeah, Odom was on staff there. Um, Kobe Whiteside. That was a project player that has actually developed into something pretty awesome. So I will yeah. absolutely give you that. 
Well, and that's what um, I was saying. It's the defense. You can you have things to point to. You can tangibly yeah. look at. You, we talk about those three aspects of head coaching: mm-hmm. um, talent, acquiring talent, developing talent, and deploying talent. You you can obviously see those first two steps in guys like. I mean, look at Kale Garrett. He came into. He he came into Mizzou as what was he a two star? I think Mizzou was a lot. That, no, he was a he was, was a he five a point. He was a three star, but okay, he was going to so go to Navy. He was a low three star, and he was he came in kind of at that last second offer from Mizzou. And I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself here because we're, we're obviously never going to know. But I mean, he was he was playing like an all American, like a, like a like a consensus all American mm-hmm. for the first four games of the season. And it's a bummer that we're not going to see that, but he definitely got better. Um, I think we can say that Jordan Elliott's gotten better. Kobe Whiteside, Nick Bolton has been really good this year. Uh, he's been a nice player. Um, uh, I think he, I think there's an argument to be made that Demarcus Acey has slowly gotten better, even though he probably doesn't have the production to to really like say definitively. But I, I think if you look at the amount of times people are throwing at him. Certainly, you can argue that he has become a more menacing defensive back. So there, there are evidences on the defense, but that the offense, there's nothing. Uh, well, at least not nothing, but barely anything. Yeah. I just, I, I think they are better at developing talent on defense, but, you know, I don't really think Terry Beckner Jr. got any better as the years went on. Um, you know, we had to re- rely on, on Khalil Oliver transferring in to provide any kind of stability to the safety position. Um, you know, Demarcus Acey has been good. Christian Holmes was has been good, uh, but they're also you know, we're not getting really thrown on all that much. Um, I'm really curious what which would is, happen. Which is great. Oh, Love, it's a, it's awesome. excellent. But but that's not the problem right now. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um. So you know, I think on defense, it, it truly is an elite unit, and the, the defensive piece will drop tomorrow. And, uh, and just spoiler alert, it they are still excellent. There's some regression, and that's going to happen, but. Uh, from the first four games to the, the past four games, they are still an excellent unit. But, you know, you, you look around the SEC and you see these Saban hires or these defensive coordinator hires that do the big dumb thing and, like, make an awesome defense and ha- make sure the offense doesn't get in the way, um, put their defense in a good position. And when when Odom hired Heupel, I was like, all right, this dude is committed to, like, breakneck offense. I love it. Um, and then that, of course, left his defense out to dry. Dooley has slowed it down a little bit, but now the offense isn't as good. So I guess, let me ask you this. As Barry Odom has hired guys, is there a coaching hire that didn't make you immediately lean back in your chair and go, what? Are we talking coordinators specifically? Coordinators or position coaches, either one. I mean, I'm trying to go through all of them right now in my head. So, Dulia comes to mind, of course. David Gibbs, a corner, cornerbacks coach. I liked uh, I liked the Brick Haley hiring. It wasn't like okay. It, it yeah. wasn't like a. I wasn't like immediately just like oh that's dynamite. He's gonna knock it out of the park. But I mean, I liked it. Um, but you're right. I think m- the majority of the hirings have been like, eh, I, uh, I could see it have working out i mean i would i would argue that the david gibbs one has worked out fairly well but i mean yeah i i I think you're on to something here um one of the things that we thought about barry odom in these last few years is that it seems like he is working on developing a defense and that the offense like you're saying he's kind of like giving the offense over to this other person that mm-hmm. who he and and that's that's what he talked about a lot when Dooley was hired right he he liked mm-hmm. the vision that he had for the offense he's going to give it to him and let him take it over when really the whole time it seems like he might have been crafting a, a pretty good defense if that's what we're seeing this year but maybe the offense wasn't in good hands and maybe uh, to quote the coach that I can't remember his name right now, uh, maybe Barry Odom was who we thought he was the whole time. <laughs> um, this, this Dennis argu- Green, by the way. Yeah, man, I, I I don't pay attention to stuff like that. I don't need to know coaches that aren't Missouri coaches. You're right. You're right. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's it, here's the thing. I'm pausing a lot right now, and this kind of goes back to. Not to not to plug myself or anything here, but this kind of goes back to that column that I wrote earlier this week that was basically like, 
how do we talk about Missouri right now? Like, like yeah. and, that, and that was a question. That wasn't like a, a headline grabber. That when mm-hmm. I was messaging Sam about the column that I wanted to write, I was like, literally, I have no idea how to write about this team because they're so weird compared to what they were earlier in the season and what they always have been. It's I'm just like flustered because I don't know like okay they were great on they were great offensively now they're great defensively it's just like they've gone in the tank so suddenly I don't know do you find and obviously you don't because you've written a million pieces this week about it but don't you find yourself just like kind of scratching your head watching this team at this point like how did things go so wrong? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, I it's more from a standpoint of why. Did two of the three worst SEC teams, why are they able to take advantage of the weaknesses that the Tigers have? Why them? Because Wyoming was a fluky game. Throw that one out. That was a terrible, you know, that was terrible from an interception standpoint. The offense actually did pretty well despite the turnovers. The defense was caught flat footed a couple of times. Like, that was a fluke. Throw it away. West Virginia, throw away SEMO too. South Carolina, Troy and Ole Miss. I mean, these were performances by the offense that were pretty good. You know, 53%, 72%, 81%, 80%. And the defense was absolutely dynamite. And then Vandy shuts it all down by putting us into impossible third downs that we can't convert. Kentucky does the same thing. Oh, and by the way, they're also going to run for 2 billion yards with a wide receiver. Like, it's confusing because it's like, why those teams? Why them? Why not West Virginia? Why not Ole Miss? Ole Miss, you know, they probably should have beaten us, and they didn't. And it's like, why? Why? And and so at this point, we know what this team is. It's an offense that cannot convert third downs. Um, it's an offense that cannot throw the ball. And it's a defense that's going to stifle you first down, second down, and let some giant play go on third down, usually from a quarterback who's who's scrambling. That's what we are. And it it's so confusing and weird because Ole Miss didn't beat us, because West Virginia didn't beat us, because South Carolina didn't beat us. No, Vanderbilt beat us. Kentucky beat us. And now we're staring down the barrel of Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, all of which look way better than what they did at the beginning of the year. And against us, Mizzou, that has never looked worse. And yeah. that's why it's so concerning. Yeah, and this and what I'm about to say is going to sound like I'm trying to be overly optimistic and believe me i am not trying to be overly optimistic actually during the kentucky game i tweeted out i was like i'm looking at the schedule right now is missouri gonna win seven games it's kind of hard to see it like the possibility of them going one and three in these last four games is Hot. I don't. I don't want to say it's fifty percent, but it's close to fifty percent. If not, it's more of a coin flip than I think most people would want to admit. But and when when you look at this schedule, who who are the three best teams Missouri has played? Probably South Carolina, Troy, Ole Miss. And if not, then you can make yeah. an argument for it. And they just like laid the hammer to those teams, <laughs> and. I don't want to say Wyoming and Kentucky. Obviously, the worst team they've played is SEMO. Uh, but, I mean, the weaker teams, they've not played well against. So you look at that, and you're, I, I would be tempted to say, because I can be a bit of an optimist, like, hey, you know, they beat the better teams on their schedule. Who says they can't, like, take one of the Florida-Georgia games? But, like, it's hard to say that looking with how – thinking about how bad they've been. Uh, over these past two games, and I, it, it kind of feels at this point as though the tablecloth has been ripped out from under them. Kind it, of. Yeah. yeah, and it feels like just things are a mess right now. And now we look at kind of this whole week going into next week where it's like, well, Barry Odom's on a bye again, which, like, <laughs> you would have thought that we would have fixed that at this point, but clearly not. Um, well, at least I don't think we're in a luxury to say, oh, yeah, it's fixed now, because remember when he beat yeah. Troy? I would say the three the three best wins would be South Carolina for sure, uh, Ole Miss, and I'd actually say Wyoming. So Wyoming's bully. I, I or wait, we didn't be. What am I talking about? I, I was I was I was just about to cut in. I was like, hey, uh, Nate, we didn't beat Wyoming. We <laughs> lost to them. Remember? No. So West, I would say West Virginia. 
I'd yeah, say we West, made, West we made West Virginia look like SEMO. They looked very stupid when they played us. So that was cool. And they're not uh, like an awful team. Like I've, not bad. I've I've watched some of their other games. They're not good, but they're not like they're not the bad. worst team in the Big no. Twelve. So no. um, Kentucky is actually our zero one two according to SP plus. Kentucky was the third best team we've played so far this year. It's just frustrating because Kentucky doesn't do anything that like blows you away. Like, oh, they run it with their quarterback every time and play decent defense. That can be beat, and then no one beats it, and they're fifty fourth. <laughs> so they're like a perfectly average team. Um, but I mean, to which, be fair, which says a lot about our schedule, by the way. To be fair, what was what did Ole Miss do? I mean, I, I know yeah, that Missouri beat Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is a, a fairly good team, but. What did they do the whole game? I was watching that game, and I knew it was going to happen every single time Ole Miss got the snap. They are just going to well, run it. And if Plumlee had it. Yeah. Yeah. And Missouri couldn't stop it. And some – maybe it's, maybe it's because it's Halloween, and there's some witch out there that's that's cursing us into, into <laughs> forgetting the past weeks of games. But, like, I was just like, you know what? They're going to be able to stop this running quarterback, which clearly no. No. So. No. The sooner you embrace the fact that we're never beating Kentucky again, the better off you're going to be. So I am um, just at the point where I'm not acknowledging the the <laughs> school or the state of Kentucky. Um, I have this thing in my uh, liquor cabinet called bourbon. I don't know where it comes from. It just Mars. kind of materializes. Mars bourbon is what that is. Mm. Yes. It's good. Uh, it's very tasty. So here we are. Uh, we're in the middle, well, towards the end of a bye week. Uh, we got Georgia on tap, followed by Florida, Tennessee, Arkansas. Just in case you're curious, the SP Plus rankings of those four teams in order, 6th, 13th, 46th, Tennessee, and 94th for Arkansas. Tennessee's up to 46th now? Oh, yeah. I told you. Okay, so I've been getting some guff about putting Tennessee near the top of the Tier 4. They've looked uh, really good. They, they muddy it up, man. They make everyone look really stupid. And sometimes they pull out a victory. So that's going to be a no fun t- uh, game to play. Uh, but we've got we've got you know, the two best teams in our division and then a fast riser in Tennessee. And then, God, we cannot lose to this Arkansas team. They are so bad. Um, currently, you know who else was bad, Nate? Vanderbilt. Missouri. Vanderbilt was bad. Hey, I feel like this is a good time. Remember the last time I was on the podcast and I was like, man, that oh. Vanderbilt game scares me. And you were like, man, Vanderbilt's bad. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm probably being dumb. I felt like I felt like a brain genius that <laughs> night, like in the worst way. I was like, I'm the I am the biggest fool, but I'm also the smartest fool. So I don't know. But man. only but only one. Of this podcasting duo said that we would lose to Kentucky again. And that was Yeah. Good. Man, well, on the positive side, we were both right. Hey, look at that. Thank look God we were right. The dad pod, just 100% on our takes. Or your money back, guaranteed. <laughs> um, I, so currently, if you go off of SP win projections, um, the odds of Missouri finishing with five wins is 1%. So take heart. We are probably not going to finish with five wins. Six wins is at 17%. Seven wins, your magic number, 46%. Eight wins is a 31% chance, and then nine wins is a 5% chance. Um, I think I'm going to redo my win projection here. I think I'm going to take the most negative pill possible and say we go seven and five. No, that's not the most negative pill. The most negative pill would be okay. five, and, five and seven. Five and seven. And wow. I, I mean, I I am st- – if you ask me how I feel about Barry Odom, which please do not because the discourse around that is toxic. Um, it is. But I am in a much different place now than I was a few weeks ago. But still, if you ask me, will Barry Odom be fired after this year, I would say no. But if you also told me Missouri is going to lose out, I would be like, well, I don't know. But um, I think – I think seven and five is reasonable. I mean, at the end of the day, if you look at where Missouri sits, as like in terms of SP plus, which obviously isn't the 
end all be all, but it's Missouri should still be a pretty good team. The defense is still really good. The offense has the pieces to be really good, even if you know they're not. Um, if the defense can put them in positions to succeed, they they can, can succeed. Um, they should beat Arkansas, so that's six wins, bowl eligible. Woo! Um, and they should beat Tennessee. Uh, and man, I don't know. This season is so weird. This team is so weird. This program is so weird that who knows? They could end up going out and beating Georgia and then losing out. Just going six and six with wins against Georgia and South Carolina. What a sign season. me up. Sign me up. I actually want that to happen. Now. Please don't sign me up. Win out. <laughs> Win the rest of the games. Go nine and three. Let's I want this it. to be the weirdest season in the world. Nate, you are you are the you are the Mizzou fan that has low expectations. Oh, you just you're me? you're the worst type of Mizzou fan. Me? Yes. No. You just no. want six wins, and you don't think we can do any better than that. How Look, dare you? I am settling for mediocrity. I dare do it. <laughs> In the weirdest way possible. No. No, man. Uh, we, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, we're, we're, if, if the, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. We went out, guess what? The bowl ban is going to go in effect. If we lose a couple games and the bowl, the bowl ban gets removed, yada da. Beat one of Georgia and Florida. That's all I ask. You know, put Tennessee back in their place and then spank Arkansas. That's, that's all I want. I don't feel like that's out of, you know, contention. Uh, that would put us at uh, eight, eight and four. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the tables on you a little bit, and I don't want to go too long here. I know you like yeah, to keep sure. your pods short. All mine are usually like an hour or more, but I'm gonna I'm gonna play Nate Edwards here. So okay. Nate, let let's say someone tells you Missouri's going eight and four, like mm-hmm. they're like, hey, I've seen the future. Missouri finishes the season eight and four. Mm-hmm. What what happens to enable Missouri to get three wins out of these next four games? Like, what 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 does an eight and four team look like over the next four weeks? Well, I think it's all uh, dependent on how they play Georgia. And and if you told me it was eight and four, then I would I would assume that they played Georgia real tough. Um, Georgia is a is a better Missouri, by the way. They they also cannot throw down the field, and they're not super good. Um, at passing the ball, it's all kind of run oriented. Except their offense coordinator doesn't abandon the run; he really embraces it. Um, and then what just a the killer defense. Wouldn't know. Um, so I would say if you told me they went in eight and four, they probably probably played Georgia real tough. Uh, bushwhacked Florida like we somehow always do, where they they fluster Kyle Trask into a couple of turnovers, um, put the offense in a position where they literally cannot screw it up. Uh, so a lot of short fields that give them a cushion, force Florida to be out of their comfort zone, and then kind of cling to to a victory at the last couple minutes. Uh, Tennessee comes in on fire, and we expose them, probably something like a 38-17, and then Arkansas, uh, you know, just pile drive them in the in the snow and rain. Uh, probably a big pull away. So an eight and four to me, I don't think it's going to be a lot of close like. You know, by the skin of your teeth wins. I think it's a revitalized program that says, "Hey, we can hang with Georgia," and then flexes on some fools for the last three games. That's how I see it going. Yeah, I, I when I was thinking about kind of what I'm expecting to see over these next few games, um, so I, I'll go ahead and say that I think Missouri probably ends up going. Uh, I think Missouri probably go, ends up going seven and five too. Um, I think they definitely beat Arkansas, and then. The Tennessee game scares me just because I hate losing to Tennessee. Uh, they're mm-hmm. my least favorite SEC school. Um, but, I mean, obviously, they're li- most likely to beat Tennessee. But, I mean, if you told me they would beat one of Georgia or Florida, it wouldn't, like, floor me. Um, Missouri has looked good enough to beat those types of teams at times this year. Um, but I definitely what I do and see is at least one of these wins that hopefully Missouri picks up is definitely going to be defensive driven where it's like four or five turnovers, probably another score or mm-hmm. two from the defense. Kind of what we saw against the, in, in that five game stretch where they're putting the offense in really good positions to succeed, um, which I think is especially important now that Kelly Bryant is like definitely hurt. Yep. Um, I don't know, man. It's uh Again, just I, don't, I hate to fall back on this because it makes us sound like we don't know what we're talking about, and it, it, we do on some level. But 
it's just really hard to talk about this team because you don't know what you're going to get week in and week out. Even though, like you said, we kind of know what Missouri is at this point. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it, it doesn't feel like it should be as easy as, well, they're at home, they're going to win, and they're on the road, they're going to lose. But at this point, that's the only like definitive thing that we're like, well, I mean, they're 5-0 at home and they're 3-0 and on the road. So, I don't know. Pretty much. I mean, really, it's which, which opponent can take advantage of their third down weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so uh, so far it's been Simo, <laughs> um, who held us to twenty percent. Uh, basically, everybody but Ole Miss who gave up a lot of third downs. But Vandy and Kentucky really were able to kind of put up put the Tigers away. So, can the defense take advantage of the third down weaknesses? That's kind of the question. Um, uh, Georgia certainly can. Florida certainly can. Uh, you know, Tennessee can. Uh, I'll say Arkansas can just to make them feel better, but it's it's which how is that detrimental? Do the Tigers get short fields so it doesn't matter if they convert third downs? You know, do they get enough yards on first and second that doesn't they don't get the third down? That that's really what we're looking at. Um, so that's kind of how this this team works. And then if the defense is left out to dry and runs out of gas, then they start giving up stuff. So yeah, it's it's how how does that weakness take take shape? Well, and that's really it. The the one thing that we that we still haven't talked about, honestly, which I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on because there's really nothing positive to say about it at this point, is we're also now at the point with the offense where they have to put it in the end zone because you can't really trust Tucker McCann anywhere no, on the field. No, no, um, which not. is really unfortunate, man. I I, I like Tucker McCann. I, he's turned out to be an elite punter, which. Hell yeah! Who, who knew? Like yeah, obviously, not me. You, you obviously didn't know. You di- obviously didn't need him over the past few years. But man, he is just—he is everything that I hoped he wouldn't be. And and that is, <laughs> man, he, he seems like a really good dude. And he's obviously been a weapon for Missouri in different ways over his time at the university. But there, there's just no way to trust him right now. He can't make anything. Yeah. And, yeah. and kicking is such a mental thing. I get it. I, I've known kickers in my life, and that's what they've all told me. But it's it's just like, not to get, make it too simplistic, but I wrote earlier this week about Cale Garrett and kind of the effect that he's had on the defense. And not necessarily that he's made the defense that much. His absence has made the defense that much worse. But he's just removed the margin of error completely. Yeah. From this Absolutely. team, and and instead of responding in the sense that like they did against Ole Miss, where they won a close game, it's just kind of all falling apart um, for the most part. So yeah. really frustrating stuff. When hey I, man, I, I, love love to podcast about the Missouri Tigers. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kale Garrett, gone too soon, man. Please take the medical red shirt. <laughs> if it's still an option, please. Or go make money. That's also cool. Can, can you believe Barry Odom's first response to that was like, man, I don't think we could get one. I'd be like, shut up. Like, we're <laughs> getting one. I will murder someone to get a red shirt for Gail Garrett. Yeah. Uh, I, want, I just want the Bash brothers back. Give me Bolton and Garrett for one more year. That would oh just be gosh. Pure. Can you imagine if Garrett yeah. came back, what Bolton and Garrett would be like next year? Just. They, they would own... They would own the league. Just destruction. Mass destruction. They would have to be the defensive line, too, I think. They would just be the entire defense. They'd be I'd that, be okay with they'd that. They'd be that front seven, for sure. For sure. Well, okay, so we've been kind of gloom and doom. I, I don't want to leave this podcast being sad. There's been enough of that this week. Tell me something happy. And it doesn't even have to be football or Mizzou sports related, but just tell me something happy. Um... I'll tell you two things, one football related and one not football related. Okay. Um, I'll start with the non-football run related and any parent who's out there can empathize with me on this. Uh, my son laughed for the first time the other day and oh, I got to watch it. Perfect. I was there when it happened and I was the one that made him do it. And it just like, uh, I'm yes. not going to be sad for like months now. So awesome. Good stuff. Um, the other football, the football related reason is and this is going to sound absolutely insane after these past two weeks i still really like this missouri team or at least i like the players on the team i think they've got a lot of likable guys um who i who i'm rooting for to succeed there have been missouri teams in the past where i'm like man i really love this team they're fun to watch play but 
I don't really feel a connection to any of these guys. Maybe it's just because I've been so in the weeds with like covering them and writing about them this year. But man, I really like a lot of these guys. I want to see them win. I want to see them do better than they're doing now. So like in a way, I still have fun watching them, even if they make me want to like pull my eyebrows out. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's nice. Like, here's the thing at the end of the day. And again, I'm trying to be optimistic about this, which you have no reason, whoever you are listening to agree with me on this. And that's fine. Feel the way you want to feel. This is football. It's a game. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, Missouri is five and three. Like they have won more games than they've lost. Yes. They have looked really bad doing it. Yes. At points, but they've also looked really good doing it at some points. Sometimes, um, yeah. So hey, I'm pretty I'm pretty dumb. So here's to the fact that they're gonna turn it around again and they'll r- rip off another four game five game stretch because they're gonna get bowl eligibility from the NCAA and they'll finish the year ten and three. It's great. Also, Everything's it's November. Awesome. It's November, the only month where Barry Odom is allowed to win. That's true. That is true. Barry Barry Odom is really college football's best November coach and the stats don't don't lie what do we row no 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 don't oh man this this is this cannot go any direction okay, that is good right. so That's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut right. you off there I, I needed that all right well thank you for your positivity influx I hope everybody gets to cuddle up with it feel the warmth uh as it starts snowing here uh outside on this october 31st great um josh thank you for joining us and talking about our weird old missouri tiger football team our, our spooky missouri tiger spooky. football team apt for this for this halloween day yeah are you guys trick-or-treating tomorrow you gonna dress the kid up uh it is going to be thunderstorming out the out the wazoo Mm-hmm. Uh, where we are so we will not be trick-or-treating considering my son is not even three months old yet um it's we did dress up last week we had a halloween party uh wow. we, we dressed as the royal tenenbaums so oh, we, we had yes. a good time yes my daughter will be dressed as a bee a bee a bee um, bead bead bee. bee okay job's not on board <laughs> yes um, so glad yeah. so glad you got with that <laughs> Um, yeah, she's pretty cute. Uh, it's a very good costume. So that, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we're not trick or treating. We are trunk or treating at daycare. Uh, but that still counts because it's going to snow tomorrow, which is bizarre. So bizarre. Uh, anyway, enough dad pod. Uh, thank you for tuning in to before the box score. We appreciate you listening. Uh, I'll be back next week. We'll be previewing Georgia and the, uh, the golf and bulldogs. Uh, we'll see. I'll well, make sure that we don't lose the bye week. Just can't lose the bye week. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. Uh, we'll review the Bulldogs next week. Uh, I'll be better next week, but until then, I'll see you.